The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too. The Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend, a great Lord's Day. Meet with the people of God, hear the word of God, and now the week ahead so we can obey the word of God. Uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please go to sonsoflibertyradio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Scroll down on the right side of the page. You'll see us going live there. Um, just click on that and blow it up on whatever device you got and uh, and join us. Also in the chat, there's a little icon there for the platform that we're streaming from. And uh, join us in chat. Lots of friends in there this morning. Good morning to all you guys. We've got some truckers in there, too, uh, who seem excited about what's going on. I almost wish we had phone lines again so that we could open those up and uh, people could call in and 
and you guys who are who are truckers out there, um, <clears throat> you'd be able to give your input on our subject today. But uh, right there is where you can blow it up. And also right above that is Bradley's show from Saturday, two hours worth of Bradley Dean. So if you missed that and you want to catch that, that's available up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And then he goes live, okay? So you can catch that at SunsLibertyMedia.com. We're also, by the way, broadcasting <clears throat> onto BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page. Rumble, our main you know, flagship, if you will, for the video platform, is uh, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live, all one word. Uh, you can catch us on there. We're also on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, as well as... Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and Roku at Cutting Edge TV. Right above where, we're st- where our live streams are, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it. Uh, get one email from us today, including the Morning Show Archive. So whatever we talk about this morning, we're going to show you in there. And then finally, if you would like to help us, then there is a donate button at the top of the page. Um, we never ask you for money. We do have needs because... Everything we do costs money, but uh, if you'd like to help us, there's a donate button, one-time donations, and there's also a way where you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That link is also at the top of the page. And then our store is available, lots of uh, good conversation starters in the store, as well as some equipping tools in there. And this week, we're highlighting Bradley's My War documentary series, and this is like a, I don't know, five or six DVD set, and it's video footage of Bradley going into the public schools, showing you what they're about, what they do, what they're teaching, exposing them, Ephesians 5.11, he's exposing, exposing what they're doing. And then he's giving you the remedy to it. He's giving you the solution to it, the biblical solution to it, uh, to correct it. And uh, so if you'd like to pick this up, it's normally 60 bucks, but this week through Saturday at midnight, if you get one of these, and you use the promo code MYWAR, all one word. See, I'll make it real easy for you. MYWAR, all one word, is a promo code. You'll get 10% off the DVD set. Okay, so if you want to get a hard copy of that, uh, head over to SonsLibertyMedia.com, click on the store, and then pick one of these up. And again, the promo code is MYWAR, and uh, you'll get 10% off. All right, so real quickly, just want to kind of throw a couple of things in, two things in from the weekend. And then we're going to bring our guest on. This there was a doctor in Alberta, Canada, and this guy got banned. Okay, do you know why he got banned? Well, in his case, he was using unapproved treatments for the alleged COVID people, his, his patients, right? And so they banned him from Alberta hospitals. Now, here's the thing. His patients were actually getting better from his treatments, but they said, no, 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 we can't have that. This is supposed to be, you know, we're, we're trying to depopulate the earth. Don't you know that? Haven't you got the, the word from the top down? And so uh, he gave a speech earlier. This was back in September. That video you can see at SonsLibertyMedia.com. You'll want to hear that. It's it's really good. And uh, But they, they've banned him. And one of the things he said is, COVID is, quote, the greatest propaganda campaign in human history. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, also, concerning the La Palma Island volcano, right? Did you know that there was a video game back in 2009 that had predictive programming in it to basically have part of that island slide off into the ocean 
creating a tsunami, I think they said 200 meters high, the, the, the wave, coming across the Atlantic and basically wiping out most of the eastern seaboard of the United States. You don't believe me? Here, check this out. Now, for those who don't, who can't, hang on. For those of you listening by radio, it's in another language. I, I'm assuming it's Spanish. Um, but I'll kind of talk over it as to what the guy is saying, and some of the words get a little little weird here. But this is the video game. This is La Palma, one of the Canary Islands, a paradise for tourists. In love with the sun, this island fascinates us for another reason, because of the Cumbre Vieja volcano. I don't know if I'm saying that. The fragility of the western area of the volcano is full of cracks and fissures through which the water now comes. The interesting part, if we place different pumps in carefully calculated points, the thermonuclear explosions will allow us to heat the water and make it evaporate instantly. If you pay this attention in physics class, you will know that the sudden evaporation of water will create the pressure necessary to destroy the fragile hip of the volcano and make it collapse against the water you can imagine what will happen after exactly a tsunami and then i don't know what the classrooms is 200 meters high will cross the atlantic at the speed of an airplane the tsunami will sweep the east coast of the united states new york will disappear and uh, it goes on from there so it this is 2009 and you remember we've seen this kind of predictive programming well here was the interesting thing all right, and this is the last thing we'll bring Bill on here a second. And some of you have already seen this information, but uh, they there was on the twenty first, someone was able to capture uh, in the Wayback Machine some activity on the island. Now this is what this is what they got. Okay, and for those of you listening by way of Red State Talk Radio. You see a cluster of you know little red dots. Now this is from the European Mediterranean Seismic Center. I think that's the, the total name of it. And I've got the links in here, so you can do it yourself. I'm, I'm not just showing you images that could be doctor or whatever. You can go and see the the page for yourself. And as you zoom in on it, you begin to see these dots more clearly. And then by the time you get to the third image, look at what it looks like. It's in a pattern. It's in a grid. Or the seismic activity. It's not just random places. It's showing up here, and it's um, it's a seismic activity. Now, there is a link right up under the third picture. You can click. You can zoom in on it yourself, because the page has been archived, Wayback Machine. And you can see this for yourself, that it's not it's not doctored in any way. It's, it's the actual web page. What I did was, and just to show you how that is, I did a short little clip of me doing it myself, so you can see it's actually real, and here that is. Okay, <clears throat> all right, so this is the European Mediterranean Seismic Center. And this is for, obviously, uh, October the 21st. And this area right here is where we're looking at the Canary Islands. And notice what happens. We're going to blow this up so we can really zoom in on this. And uh, <clears throat> it is real. This is archived at Wayback Machine. As we zoom in on the island, you'll notice that, uh, you know, all of this is seismic activity that you can see there. But as we get closer, I want you to know what happens. Look how it's forming a grid. It's kind of interesting. It's almost like it is 
being manipulated, that it is man-made. Something is happening here that is creating these this seismic activity, and it's in a perfect grid. And uh, now this is not like... Okay, so I'm still talking there. Um, there's a there's about another forty seconds where I go through things, but you see, it's 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 genuine, it's real. Okay, so I went through and checked to make sure I wasn't passing on bad information because I got this for the week. But that's something to keep in mind. There's predictive programming in it. Now we've got something that looks like. Now some people said, well, maybe this is where they had the seismic reader and this that, and the other. Well, that's fine, but what happens is is the longer this thing goes on, the more ununiform it is it just goes everywhere and you see the dots all over the place and you can go there and pick up the latest one now and click on it go to there and it won't look like that at all uh it doesn't it doesn't look like what it did on the 21st when when this was this particular thing was captured now with that said you guys have been hearing about shells being empty uh supply line crisis a breakdown there and things of that nature and one of my good friends is uh, a truck driver in fact they call him the truck driver theologian all right and uh, and I like that because whenever Bill and I get together, uh, we're always talking things theological, things kingdom based. In fact, even when he dropped by the house, this is an old picture. Some of you guys will see what my baby beard will look like. I don't know in several months. Uh, we came by. We talked guns too. You know. Oh yes. And um, so Bill, we were talking the other day, and boy, there's so many topics that we covered. I said, Bill. I said we need to uh, we need to have a show on on each one of these things. So we're going to probably hit a couple of different topics today. But one of the topics we're going to talk about is this um, supply line crisis. And Bill has some some information. Some of you truckers out there, uh, a couple of you guys who are here, probably have some things. I'll try to watch the chat. If you've got something you want to chime in, bring it in, and I'll I'll bring that up with Bill too. But it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Bill Evans. Good morning, man. Good morning. You see, I've got my reflective vest on because anytime you and I get together, we might talk about some, it might get a little bit dangerous. <laughs> it might get that way, brother, especially if we take on the issue uh, that we talked about the other day, which we may, we may, just, we may just bring that up uh, after we kind of get this out of the way. But a lot of people are going, okay, there's a supply line crisis. Oh, it's Democrats. Oh, it's the Biden administration. Oh, it's, you know, this, that, and the other. And they want to do this, the political thing. And I don't have any doubt that they probably have some something to do with it. But you were sharing some stuff with me that you've discovered. And I wish, I wonder if you'd share that sort of with the audience here about uh, the things that, that you've seen and, and that you've heard. Well, I don't know that it's anything I've discovered. It's something I've observed. I mean, anybody who drives across country over the road, like, for instance, I, in the last you know, week I went from Lake Charles, Louisiana to Denver to Orlando, Florida, and I'm headed to Cape Cod right now. That's a week. So I'm all over the country, and I can assure you that I have not seen any shortage of trucking. I describe it as a shortage of parking. Uh, there are as many trucks on the road, and that's another problem in and of itself. We've got I would estimate 30% of the trucking, over-the-road trucking industry are foreign nationals, not U.S.-born, not, not people who necessarily speak our language, understand our... And, and I know for a fact that they're in the same way. They have puppy mills. They have driver mills. They turn them out. They pay them. They pay off the testing. And you've got a lot of people on the road that are, that are barely um, 
well, it, my policy is, is that they shouldn't issue commercial driver's license to people who come from countries that don't have paved roads. But uh, anyway, but in terms of a shortage, there's two distinctive, there's three distinctively different types of trucking on, in the United States. There's the over-the-road trucker. I own my own truck. That's me. I haul, you know, temperature controlled freight. Then you have your local delivery, the guys you see backed up to the to the Wendy's or the McDonald's uh, or the fast food or restaurant delivery stuff. And then you've got containers. And, of course, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, owns the largest container port in the world, which is Grand Bahamas on the East Coast. And they own... Long Beach, they may own Tacoma and Oakland, I'm not sure, but I do know they own the Long Beach container port. So you've got, you know, Joe Biden and his administration who are basically Chinese sock puppets. And then you've got the longshoremen who are the closest thing to organized crime you're going to find in the workforce. These are guys that get paid, you know, upwards of a quarter million dollars a year that, um, will do what they want to do. I mean, they walk around with their contract in their back pocket. In addition to that, so you've got these drivers that pull up to the port and instead of unloading a container every two minutes, uh, the, you know, this, uh, longshoreman takes two hours. And if you say anything to him, Hey, I mean, there's no way you can reach him. He's up in the crane. You don't have any, he does what he wants to do. So you really can't force them to do anything. These drivers are sitting around sometimes for days on end. But in addition to that, the you know Newsom and the California legislature had last year passed a new regulation regarding independent contractors. Now you can be an independent contractor if you're a masseuse or if you're cutting grass, but you can't be an independent contractor in California now if you drive a truck. So these were not big co companies that were delivered to the port. They go to the port, they sit there for couple hours, they grab a container and they run it to the, you know, maybe over from Long Beach to Phoenix or maybe up to Vegas, or maybe they run it up to the valley somewhere. But anyway, they come back and get another one. They do that repeatedly. They also do it to rail line, it's at rail yards. You see trains, how many trains contain either trailer trucks that normally are on the highway, or you see them hauling containers. Well, these are normally independent contractors, guys that come here, they buy their own, they buy an old beater. They're not going to be over the road extended times like me where I live on the road. Uh, but these guys have now been effectively shut out of business because they've lost their independent contractor status. So that's presented a whole series of new challenges for these guys to be available to haul freight because they've got new insurance and licensing and legal considerations that they didn't have last year. So um, suffice to say, I think that this is like a perfect storm of um, the equivalent of just another leg of the agenda to keep the American people off balance, to keep them anxious, to keep them terrified of the future because people who are afraid and who are confused and who are under duress are easier to control. That's right. Yep, that's I to I totally agree. That's where all of this stuff is coming from. The vaccine, the COVIDs. Now they're talking about a Marburg virus that they're going to play with, and this, that, and the other. 
And it's all about control. That's exactly what it is. I was going to ask you, when you're saying you can't be an independent contractor uh, as far as a truck driver, to me, that sounds pretty unconstitutional, too, pretty illegal in and of itself. Well, there's always been, there have always been, uh, of course, the IRS is an unconstitutional private, Agreed. you know, uh, bag man, you know, collecting agency for the International Monetary Fund and the, and the uh, Federal Reserve. So it's, I mean, it's unconstitutional to be from the jump, and we could have a whole series of programs on, you know, the IRS or, or taxes. But, but there have always been, for there have traditionally been rules that governed what constitutes a, an independent contractor. Uh, one of the things is you, presumably, is that you do not have regimented hours. You don't have, uh, you don't have to take a job. In other words, you can, uh, like in my case, I'm a, I'm self-employed. I have, you know, I have a corporation, but, but I don't take loads I don't want to take. I mean, they, I don't have to work if I don't want to work. Where, and, and technically these guys don't either. And, you know, they could take a day off, but evidently they rigged it so that because they're going back and forth. See, I had never, no, no two days in my life are ever identical, you know. Um, but in a case of a, of a port, you've got a guy who may be delivering, containers off of a, off of port of Los Angeles, taking them to Costco's distribution center. And he may do that three or four times a day and he gets paid per trip. Uh, I would say that, you know, if he, if he decided to, if he, as long as he has the right of refusal, as long as he could say, I don't want to take a load or I'm not going to work today, then, but the problem is, is that they've got into the, the hair splitting as to what constitutes an independent contractor and, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just the typical foolishness you'd expect out of, you know, Californication. And, uh, so what else is new? And, and, and I will tell you this, you know, I just, now I'm an over the road driver, as I said, and I, I have a, a fairly new truck. Well, now the government mandated emission standards have all but ruined the trucking industry. I mean, right now the, the waiting period for a new truck is three years. Wow. Uh, it took me six months, took me six months, three months to get a new engine. Now, <clears throat> the engine was covered under an extended warranty, but it went from basically working fine to being in the crapper within, a, you know, just like that because of sensors and technology that is imposed by government mandated emission standards. And every driver who has got a two brain cells to rub together will tell you that the DEF or the emission systems for the modern trucks have absolutely ruined the trucking industry. Uh, uh, where do those, do you think those electronic components come from? They come from Southeast Asia and they've got trucks. They'll have 30 or 40 or 50 trucks that are in various different stages of repair that can't get fixed. They can't get them back on the road because they're waiting for components that run the government mandated emission system. So it's not the diesel power. That's the problem. It's these government mandated emission standards. Yeah. And of course, you know, sleepy Joe, they, they talk like, uh, they, um, they want to basically get rid of, of diesel and they want to have self-driving trucks and they want them to be electric. And, and of course, you know, if you think, you think it's, 
you think it's crazy on the road right now. Wait, when you have, you know, self-driving vehicles that could do 80 miles an hour, uh, that weigh 80 tons on the road with you that with nobody driving it, um, you know, windmills, they talk about, you know, well, we're going to have the green energy. Of course, Tucker Carlson just did an expose on that, but they don't talk about how many thousands and thousands of gallons of synthetic lubricant those windmills take every year. You know, and then the fact that you can't do anything with them when they break and you find time to, you have to recycle them. You you, you can't do anything with them. They're, they're like plastic bottles. Remember when we were kids, we put soda in glass bottles. Yep. And then you picked them up, you picked them up and brought them back to the store for a penny or two a piece. And that's how you made extra money, um, was picking up bottles. You had a self-policing economically environmental recycling program, you know, so, you know, Job chapter 12, it says that God pours contempt on nobles and disarms the mighty and he reveals the deep thoughts of darkness and brings deep shadows into the light. He makes nations great, destroys them. He enlarges nations, disperses them. He deprives the leaders of the earth of their reason. He sends them wandering through a trackless waste where they grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. So that's sort of a description of our political class. This is what God does to them. By the way, is it just me or does, Steve, or does Pete Budacek look like... Um, Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. <laughs> he, he does. You know, you mentioned Job 12 there. Uh, I've said that time and again that this is what we're in because people go, this is just crazy what, what some of these people are doing uh, in D.C., some of them in the States, uh, as far as representation. They're just, and I said, this is God putting them in a drunken stupor. And I was referencing Job there, that this is yep. what he does. He He confuses them. So that even when they think they're doing the right thing, if they if they think that, they're doing the wrong thing, and they're they're destroying themselves. Now, one of the things you talked about here, though, and by the way, Buttigieg, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you heard that discussion, but uh, you know what's her name, uh, Circleback Girl, uh, Mark Zuckerberg in drag, uh, got on and and addressed the issue to where he hasn't been to work in weeks, and the American people are paying him uh, for his job, which I just, he shouldn't even have it. That department shouldn't even exist under a constitution, but he was, and he's at home. And this is the thing that the American people are tolerating. They're tolerating a man who distorts marriage to quote unquote, marry another man. Then they're going to have children. You know, that's a problem right then and there. If they're so sexually warped that they are engaging the same sex, uh, sodomites, uh, which is against which is against the law in every in all fifty states, and <clears throat> if he was doing it in South Carolina, it's a capital crime. They put you to death. He was doing it in New York. I think that's still on the books uh, from way back, and so he's doing that. And then now they're trying to find time to feed their baby. You know, I, I think there was the image of a Buddha jig with the fake breasts on or whatever with the baby and, and stuff. And you're just sitting here going, "Why are we Here, tolerating the, this kind here, of?" This kind here, of here's behavior. the deal. Here's the deal. I, I was reading earlier uh, a British philosopher or psychologist. I'm sorry, a British psychologist who had whose lifelong pursuit was studying Marxism, and his I thought his comment was pressing. I tried to find it so I could quote it on the program, but I couldn't locate it. 
And he says that the purpose of Marxist, I mean, Marxism's primary focus is not propaganda. It's the family. It's it's humiliation. Mm. In other words, their, their, their goal is not to spread disinformation so that you will believe something that's not true. They would prefer to force you to admit something that you know is absurd as true. Because what that does is that rewires your sense of morality and and righteousness in a way that just simply deceiving somebody, you know, Mark Twain famously said, it's easier to fool somebody than it is to convince them he's been fooled. But the Marxists, we think, well, they're just spreading disinformation. No, they would much, much rather present an absurd, illogical, irrational, antithetical scenario and then compel you by force to make you embrace it. Like the mass that mandates? Is, that, no, it's like, it's like stripping the women and shaving their heads and before they parade them into the gas chamber. Yeah. It's a matter of humiliation. They don't want to just hurt you. They want to humiliate you. Yeah. And because what that does is that when you can break down a person's spirit where they have to acknowledge the fact that they're 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 acting like sheep. They're acting like slaves. Have you ever seen a guy when you you just, you, you basically get that look like a pup, just a whip, like a beaten dog. And he just... You can tell he has no self-respect left, and you can just you can just berate him and uh, insult him. You know he just has nothing left. At some point, either they continue down that that decline, and they just become complete putty in your hands, or they snap. And either way, I think fulfills the uh you know the the goal of these of these authoritarians yeah. they would like nothing better than for a good for a, a militia in northern mississippi to to do something incendiary uh that would provide the pretext for them to ramp up the next level of tyranny yeah, well, that's and that's stuff that we've talked about. We've been saying all this stuff is coming down, labeling the parents as domestic terrorists. Um, some of the other things that's happened, the the mat, wearing, making them wear a mask, pushing pushing them to the point where they got to choose between whether or not they're going to provide for their family and their job, or take this deadly shot. Building a wall around Joe, building a wall around Joe Biden's beach home at taxpayer <laughs> yes. expense while they we while we leave all the material for the border wall sitting and rusting in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just one thing on the top of the other, the, the push for the sodomite agenda, um, you know, putting the, putting these people in places. And look, the people, we had one guy last week I was talking about who was giving me a hard time about my intro. And uh, what I discovered was he was a big Donald Trump supporter. And I, I said, you know, that's interesting. You don't call him out. And I said, he's a guy who appointed an open sodomite who was quote unquote married. 
uh, to a man as an ambassador. And then he brought him over here and made him head of national intelligence. And I said, I don't hear you calling out him. I hear you pr- singing his praises, saying what a great Christian he is. And he, he even used the word say he was just. And, uh, and, and so the, even among pe- professed believers, they're getting into this idolatry, which pulls them down the same road, Bill. And, and this is this is a huge problem. One of the things, let's touch on this, and then let's take up some, some of the, some of the uh, conversation we had the other day and get on some of these other issues, because I think it will stimulate people's minds in thinking and saying, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks like that. But one of the things you said when you were talking about these, these uh, crane operators, can you give people a little idea as to what their normal day would have been like before as far as how many of these containers are unloading and what they're like now due to, I guess, union rate, the union coming in saying, nope, you're only going to do this and not, not anything else. Well, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't work in that. I don't work okay. within that, that scope of the industry, but there was a, a video that, that was, um, that aired on the internet the other day and it was a truck driver. And I know where he took that video. It was at the Love's Truck Stop in Tacoma, Washington, because I've been there. And in the background, they have these big, giant overhead cranes that are able to reach these. I mean, these container ships are huge. And he said, in his comments were, he said, I've been sitting here all day, and those cranes haven't moved. And, and so they move back and forth. They're gantries. They move back and forth on rail lines. So just the fact is, I... You know, I, I, I'm only speculating exactly what a work day is like for one of these guys, but um, you know, I, I in a in a previous life, I was a hub supervisor. I was a manager for United Parcel Service, and we had Teamsters that worked for us. And these guys walked around with their contracts in their back pocket, and if uh, and there was no way you could say, okay, their their contract didn't say you had to do so many per minute or so many per hour. What their contract said is that they needed to produce at their demonstrated level of capacity. And so one of the reasons why you had a 30 day or a 60 day or a 90 day trial period before they made seniority is because you had to, when they were still trying to earn their job, you had to get them to produce as quick as they could, as, as, as fast as they could, and document it. And, and, but once, you had, once they made the union, it was very, very difficult to get these guys to work at an anticipated you know, rate or a necessary rate. So, I mean, I had guys that I had to fire a half a dozen times. And, of course, the EEOC would just cram them right back down my throat. You know, I felt like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, you know, where these guys would come out to the car at night and I'd have a stop sign through my my uh, windshield and an ice pick in my one of my tires, you know. That was that was that was the, that was my life for a few years. So anyway, but that's just working with organized labor, you know, they they're not uh, they don't have any motivation. There's no that they have no incentive to be as productive as they can. And I presume that since they work for the port and the port is owned by the Chinese communist party, they're going to, they're, if they're paid to slow down, they're going to slow down. Or if they're said, Hey, you can slow down or you don't have to do this. They're, I mean, they're not, they're not motivated by a great sense of patriotism or, you know, you know, the woman in, you know, Omaha needs toilet paper. 
They're going to they do what they want. That's, that's my expectation. But I believe, again, this is all, it's all spiritual. Everything, everything that's yep. happening in our world has got a spiritual component to it. Um, well, and, and I think, uh, you know, God, you know, whether it's, whether it's drought, whether it's weather patterns, whatever it may be, um, you know, we, we're, tr- you know, we try to, we try to respond appropriately on the, on the basis that we know that, that God is sovereign. He's King. We're not, uh, we're, our, our job is to be faithful to respond, you know, with biblical justice and ethics and righteousness and to whatever, whatever we're faced with it, you know, and sometimes we don't, we don't know what we're facing. You know, uh, we can't explain it. I mean, sometimes we can all have, you know, theories. We can have theories about it, but that doesn't necessarily explain it. God is, uh, you know, Paul says in Romans 11, oh, the, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how unfathomable his ways. Who's known the mind of the Lord? We don't counsel him. So, uh, you know, we're just holding on. This is a, this, it's like getting on a roller coaster you've never ridden before. Um, you know, we, we don't know all the turns and the dips. Um, so to a certain extent, you know, all of our speculation and talk is good fodder for, for, you know, the, the scuttlebutt locker or the rumor mill. But ultimately, at, when, at, when everything has been said and done, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, was it twelve twenty three? When the the end of the matter is this: fear God and keep His commandments. That's right. For this is the whole, this is the whole duty of man. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, and that's what we put here on the Sons of Liberty. And one of the things that you were talking about there uh, is is yeah, we don't know it, but all of this stuff is is kingdom work. Uh, that we're involved in. And we've been pointing to Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, of the judgments of God, because although men haven't changed, they just find new ways to sin. That's really what they do. Uh, But there's nothing really new under the sun. Their sin is the same. They're just finding new ways to do it. Um, That God does not change in how he deals with individuals and how he deals with nations. And I think it was Calvin who said, when he wants to judge, when God wants to judge a nation, he sends them wicked rulers. And boy, have we had a slew of those over the past decades uh, it, yes, folks, including Donald Trump. I know you think that he. Some of you think he's, you know, the second coming of God and all this other stuff. Just like he tweeted out himself that we talked about the other day. But we've had a slew of them. God has been judging the nation, and the people simply will not repent towards Him and uh, and do what you just said there. Keep His commandments. They won't. They won't do that. And uh, boy, they're just we're just we're just heaping judgment upon ourselves more and more. So this leads to some questions I want to throw out to you, Bill, from what we had the other day. Bradley has said several of these things, especially the the thing the recent thing that's come down where the uh, illegitimate Biden administration has sick the illegitimate and unconstitutional FBI on parents and labeled them as domestic terrorists. Now we've had parents. Uh, some like 427,000 sign on to a letter uh, rebuking the administration for doing what they were doing uh, because they're acting outside of the law, the Tenth Amendment, in engaging in any kind of um, rulemaking, any kind of instruction, any kind of funding of education. They weren't authorized to do that, and they've been doing that. And so he said, this is a provocation of war. Now, you brought up a good question the other day, and I want to touch on that. 
all these things are provoking the people. And you, you said, you know, people are going to go so far and then they're going to snap. They're not going to take it anymore. And the, the question you brought up to me is you said, we should do a show on this. When is it okay to shoot a cop? Now, I'm not, listen, folks, I'm not advocating going and murdering cops. That's not what we're talking about. But when we're talking about police officers who are either just openly acting criminally towards you, abusing you, abusing your family, all these kinds of things, or if they come to enforce things like, I don't know, say a a, vac- a shot, we're not going to call it a vaccine, a shot in you and your, in your wife and your, and your kids, is there ever a time where it is appropriate to take deadly force into hand to deal with those who are supposed to uphold the law? And I think you had a, a great response to that, which I totally agree. Well, let's walk this back a little bit. Yep, First sure. of all, I probably wouldn't. I probably you jumped right into the deep end of the pool. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the best I, I way probably, to do. It. I probably would have started out saying I would have set up the set up the the test case, the scenario, and this is what I did in social media, and I queried a number of Christian pastors and theologians on this, and didn't get a very satisfactory response, to be honest with you. And I said, if you happen to come upon, because we see the videos on YouTube and others, you know, the First Amendment audits, or we see the Karens, we see the sorts of interactions that go on. And and I always think, man, you know, why doesn't it ever happen when I'm around? You know, because that's kind of, you know, juicy. I say, um, well, we talk about the woman who was raped on the, on the, uh, the uh, metro in Philadelphia. And for, for 40 minutes, people watched it. And we always think, why doesn't that stuff ever happen around me? I had to beat that guy to pulp you know or i would have you know whatever i would have done you know it 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 tor- it, it uh, triggers our our manly t- you know our manly sense of of, of righteousness right so anyway i said if you if you walk into a, a facility which a fast food restaurant or walking in a city park or across a parking lot what is the biblical response or what is an ethical let's just say what is the proper ethical response if you come upon two you know, some of these cops are roided up. You know, they they basically are are getting the jabs. They're in the gym. They got you know, big big fellas. You know, two hundred twenty plus plus with all their gear. You know, they got their military bearing, got their crew cut and all that. You got two of these big guys, and they're just beating the ninety pound woman to a pulp. They're just pulverizing her, trying to get her detained. What's the proper response? And a lot of people who are, who are men I respect, and I think you have a lot of uh, good insights about a lot of things. Nevertheless, so, well, you don't know all the details. I mean, she could be selling drugs. She could be trafficking children. She could be what I said, let me, is there ever a reasonable justification for two large grown men to be manhandling and beating with their fists, our clubs, our stingers or whatever they've got their asps? Uh, a 90 pound woman. And of course they, they think about it. And I said, well, let me ask you another way. You said uh, you don't know all the, the deep, the facts. And then you want to go off into these um, high circumstances that might justify the cop's action. I said, what if the 90 pound woman, you look closer and it was your daughter. I said, would that change anything for you? What's the biblical response now? You put your hands on the cop. Do you choke him out? Do you whip out your iPhone and say, I'm, I'm post, you know, unhand him. I, I'm, I'm videotaping, in which case he says, step back. 
I mean, I have seen men stand back, step back in, in obedience to a cop's orders, stand back when the cop was manhandling the man's wife. Now, let's say you're armed. Now, they don't have, they have their hands on the woman. They don't necessarily know you're armed. If they glanced and saw that you were open carrying, they probably would immediately turn their attention to you. But what is the biblical response and what can you anticipate happening if you engage the cops? Well, it's going to ruin your life. They're either going to shoot you or you'll be apprehended and you'll be suicided in police custody or in the back of a car. You're going to commit suicide where your hands are cuffed behind your back, as so often happens. Uh, or your life is going to be ruined because you're going to, have to sell everything you've got and lose your job because of the negative publicity and the legal expenses. So let's make it very clear. People talk about dying for freedom. Nobody dies for their freedom. They die for somebody else's freedom. Hmm. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why we need Christ, because Christ is the one who removes the fear of death. But Amen. in warfare, in warfare, people know full well the cost of hesitation. If you're, if you're, if somebody's pointing a weapon at you and he's on the other, he's got the other uniform on, and you don't kill him, he's going to kill you. So the cost of it, of hesitation is um, is well known. But what 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 the, the reality is though is that we don't recognize that law enforcement has become militarized. I mean, they need to change the lettering on the cars from protect and serve to search and destroy. You know, these guys are not your friends and they, they see you as the enemy and they have been trained to believe that their highest, their highest priority is to make sure that they go home, whether you go home or not. Yeah. Now, now and, I, let me let me see if I can do something right quick. Uh, I know I did jump in the deep end of the pool here, but there's a point to what we're what we're talking about. All this stuff gets interconnected, and we need to think along the, these lines. When we're talking about these supply chain crises and stuff like that, that is, I, I believe it's intentional. I believe there is an agenda that's going forth, and it's one among many mm-hmm. things. And like you said, it keep, the, the American people get confused because they're hitting with all kinds of truth and lies, truth and lies, truth and lies in different areas that they're doing. And once they're broken down to a certain place, who's the guys that's going to be coming around to try to take your guns? Who's the guys who's going to be coming around trying to round you up? It isn't Joe yeah, Biden. Yeah. It isn't Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. It isn't, it's the guys in blue. I mean, that's who's going to be doing yeah, it. Yeah, but that, I call that, that's cognitive dissonance. You see yeah. the guy with a pickup truck and he's got the don't tread on me gas and flag on one side of his back window and he's got the blue lives matter flag on the other side that's cognitive dissonance he is rejecting what he knows is that the guys that are going to tread on him are the guys that that are represented in the blue lives matter flag um so uh now it is constitutional it is constitutional the the constitution has ruled there's several cases on the and, and indiana had a recent case case within the last few years where their Indiana State uh, Supreme Court ruled in a case that it is lawful for a ordinary garden variety person to use deadly force against law enforcement right. if they are uh, if they are operating outside the bounds of the law. Yep. But who is the arbiter of that? 
when there's four of, of them and one of you, uh, they are in effect judge, jury, and executioner. So it's dicey. And so the question is, is when you see something like this happen, um, you got to game this out. Now, interestingly enough, I, I heard an interesting lecture, an old lecture from Jeff Cooper. And anybody who doesn't know Jeff Cooper should look him up. He was Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps. And he's probably the father of modern shoot, the modern shooting mentality. Uh, he uh, started gun sight, which was uh, the precursor to front sight, which is the most exclusive weapons training, firearms training resort in the world. But Jeff Cooper has an interesting lecture. He talks about the warfare mentality. And he says that uh, he and he really and this is a man who'd been lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, he's trained many many warriors. He's been around warriors, been in a lot of hot spots all of his life. Knows what he's talking about. And uh, he and he's no friend of big government, by the way. He was no he was he sounded like an insurrectionist. Actually, sounded like one of us. But he said it's th that what makes the difference in times like these is not your equipment or your training. It's your mentality, right? You have to have a war warrior mentality. And I would recommend that lecture. It's on YouTube. Just type in Jeff Cooper. You'll see several uh, versions or episodes of his war warrior mentality, but it really is the mentality. And so the question is, is if you, if you act like a sheep, you're going to think like a sheep by the same token. If That's you right. think like a sheep, you're going to act like one. So, um, <clears throat> The question of how you engage law enforcement when they're in the process of standing firm, I, I recommend people, I watch them for fun, just for entertainment sometimes, is go on YouTube and watch these First Amendment audits, and you'll notice that some of them fail. The cops do violate their oath. Sometimes they do detain and even arrest the people that are out videotaping in public, exercising their First Amendment rights. But it's an interesting, it, it, it's an interesting example, a, a lesson for people to watch how you talk to cops like they're not gods on the earth. You talk to them just like you talk, just like we're talking. You talk yep. to them sure. like they're like they're men. Uh, you know, I remember one time I had Ruger, my my road dog, my my pit bull, and we were out walking in front of a truck stop in Cuba, Missouri, and two cops came out. One was a city police, and the other was a county sheriff. And uh, the, the one of them said nice pup and about that time he opened his squad car door and ruger thought it was time to go for a ride and so he jumps into the squad car and anytime you've got cops around i, I my, my my motto is any day you don't have you don't encounter law enforcement is a good day but when they're around your dogs you know cops are famous for shooting dogs especially big dogs that they're afraid of uh or pose a threat um but anyway I, he didn't shoot my dog and, and he laughed. He said, oh, I don't worry about it. I'm a dog person. And I said, well, I'm glad to hear that because there's nothing that makes me matter than a cop who shoots somebody's dog. Yeah. yeah. And, and it got really icy really quick because I dared to address him as though he was not my superior. Yeah. Well, uh, and I've had, let, me, I've, let, me, let me bring this in, Bill. You were making mention of this right here. I think uh, this is from West Virginia, 1910. Yeah. What rights then has a citizen in resisting an unlawful arrest? Now, this would I think this would apply also in this scenario like you were giving before. And I think this is 
this is why everybody's, you know, they, they want to get prepared. They want to have, you know, food and they want to have water and they want to have the ability to take care of things at home and this, that, and the other. And this mentality, this warrior mentality that you're talking about has to come from somewhere. And I want to draw this into the rights that we have because we have rights or liberties in order that we may perform our duties before God. And so according to this ruling here, an arrest without warrant is a trespass, an unlawful assault upon the person. And how far one thus unlawfully assaulted may go in resistance is to be determined as in other cases of assault. Life and liberty are regarded as standing substantially on one foundation, life being useless without liberty, and the authorities are uninformed that where one is about to be unlawfully deprived of his liberty, he may resist the aggressions of the officer to the extent of taking the life of the assailant, if that be, necess- if that be necessity to preserve his own life or prevent, prevent infliction upon him of some great bodily harm, that state versus gun, nineteen. Uh, 10. And I think that's pretty much the basis of what you were laying that on before. But this comes to another issue because all of this, again, is coming together. So when we're talking about the supply line crisis, when we're talking about labeling the parents as domestic terrorists, when we're talking about, um, you know, forcing people out of their jobs because they won't take an experimental shot. And all of these American people say, well, I've got my guns and I've got the Second Amendment. Well, that's great. But are you prepared to really use them? And has your mind is your mind viewing those people as well? If they come to my door, then if they really show up in a mass, what am I going to do? Um, I, I think that that by posing these questions, we're addressing something before it happens, so we can have that mindset to deal with the situation. And not that I hope it ever happens. I'd I'd hate to shoot anybody, uh, a cop or anybody else. I mean, I'd hate to have to do that. But but there has to be a mindset that goes beyond I'm out there plinking every day. Um, you know, I'm training. I've got all this cache of weapons or whatever, whatever somebody has, you know, that their mentality is on that. And actually being willing to use those things to defend life, liberty and property or other people, whatever the case may be. And we're going to run out of time here. Do you want to hang over and we'll, we'll carry this a little bit further uh, with some other questions? Yeah, yeah. We can talk after the break. Okay, all right. We're going to hold Bill over for a little bit. So if you're on Red State Talk Radio, head over to Rumble page, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, or jump on sonsoflibertymedia.com or beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to at least throw at least one more question that we can do. But I kind of want to hit that because I think this idea of the Second Amendment, yes, we have rights to, to keep and bear arms, but there's also that tie to the militia. And we are stronger as a people, as a group of people, than we are individually. And I think that's something we got to get back to because the militia is the law enforcers under our Constitution. Guys, Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m. See you then. Adios. Okay, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, Bill, what do you think about that? I mean, we've been pushing that. Here we've been talking about uh, what what I'm learning there at tacticalcivics.com, and that is rep- or putting back into the society the tools the people need to do their duty. Because in our form of government, we're supposed to be the government. The people are. We just have representatives, but we're supposed to be the government. And the two of the big things that we've lost are the common law grand jury, okay, and then the second thing is the militia. So you've got one arm that looks at evidence, <clears throat> excuse me, 
looks at evidence, puts it together, and then puts a indictment out. And then it is the militia, not a not the uh, not the police department, not the sheriff's office, or any of that other. It is the militia who goes and enforces the law or enforces the indictment. And the people have become. I, I, some of it's just uninformed. That's one. They don't know how it works. They think I'm supposed to go vote, and these people are supposed to do it, and I'm supposed to chastise them if they don't. And so I'll just vote the next time and vote them out. And they get caught up in a circle that's not doing anything. And we've forgotten our duties before God to enforce the law, not only to keep his commandments ourselves, but to enforce them in the society when they're broken. And uh, how do you see that working together? Um, You've got the individual. There's no question about that. And I don't think I haven't seen anybody disagree in the chat uh, in the situation you talked about with the cops and 90 pound lady. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let me, let me weigh in on a couple things here. Number one, uh, you know, that statute or, the, or that ruling by the Supreme Court from 1902 or whenever West Virginia is all well and good, but that doesn't matter to the cop because he's got immunity. And whether or not he knows the law or not, he can act outside the law with pretty much um, in, in immunity. And uh, that's one issue. The other issue is I wish I had it, and I it's probably the best encounter. I think I've ever seen this guy was a young pre-law or maybe was a lawyer and he was stopped for open carrying in St. Charles, Missouri, which is an open carry state. And his response was, is that he could not be, he wasn't guilty of a crime. Obviously we, with first amendment audits, they say, I'm not, you know, it's the first amendment protected activity. It's not a crime. The fact is you cannot be investigated for a non-crime. So the idea of it carrying, it's more, really more to the point if you're doing a Second Amendment audit. You know, if you think cops freak out over you with a camera, if you're open carrying a Glock 23 or 1911, or you remember the, the video of the Army Staff Sergeant who was hiking in the country with his son with an AR strapped on his vet, his tactical vest. Yep. And, I mean, um they freak out. And, and by the way, you can open carry long guns in Texas even before their new handgun laws. So, so the point being is that, number one, they cannot charge you or, or say that's suspicious activity. Um, it, it's, what's interesting is that now there's this big emphasis on concealed carry permits. Now, I don't have any permits. I don't have any paperwork, and I'm armed every day. And I'm significantly armed. Uh, and just put it that way. Now, I don't brandish. I don't show it off. But I'm I'm loaded to the I'm 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 rock cock ready to rock up to the hill. But um, many states had to make provisions for concealed carry because in their state constitutions, concealed carry was considered a crime. Their their logic was is well, if, if he's not a, a criminal, why would he be hiding his weapon? I mean, a lawful man, a good citizen, is going to carry it in the open. He's got nothing to hide. Well, the problem is, is that practicing constitutionally guaranteed rights, comes to find out, actually makes a lot of citizens nervous. Why, if you walked into a quick trip, open carrying, do people look at you sideways and 
call 911 or whisper to the manager, but two cops walk in with armed and no one says a word. That's right. See, that's a, that's a problem. I think Second Amendment audits are very, very important, but here's what I would submit. Ecclesiastes 4 says that two are better than one. They have a good return for their labor. If one falls, the other will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who is, when he falls, there's not another to lift him up. And the threefold cord is not easily broken. Jesus sent out his disciples to do the work of the ministry by twos. They didn't go out by themselves. And I would submit to anybody, if you are, anything worth doing is worth doing with somebody. And if you're going to go out and do an audit, whether it be a First Amendment or a Second Amendment audit, I would always take people with me. But the point is, by the same token, if you see two cops and they're beating up this 90-pound woman and you try to act by yourself, you're at a distinct disadvantage, even if you're armed. I, I think what you need to do is you need to enlist other men with you. Say, she can't do that, guys. Let's intervene. Or let's, but you need to game these things out. But anyway, this, this one law student there in St. Charles, he quoted, I mean, he was able to quote to the cop perfectly why it was not against the law for him to open carry and why the cop disarming him for quote unquote, his safety, uh, was actually illegal. You know, well, what about my safety? You know, I want to disarm you because of my safety. Uh, you know, uh, cops shoot a lot more people than civilians do. So anyway, but the fact is it didn't matter because the cop is at that point, he's going to say, well, you take it up with the judge and he's going to do what he wants to do. So at some point, listen, at some point we may have, we may, and, and we don't like to think this way because we may hunt or fish or live next door to these, some of these guys. And I think implicitly we have little bit more ease around a deputy sheriff than we do a police because yep. deputy sheriff presumably has some accountability. The sheriff runs for office, but at some point, I, I don't think it's look, there were red coats. There were British troops in the colonies way before the war broke out. There had been British troops here for decades. Oh yeah. But, it, but at some point it was incumbent upon the, civilian population to regard these uniformed men who had become something of a fixture in their society. It became incumbent upon them to regard them as the enemy. And in war, he who hesitates is lost. And friends, whether you recognize it or not, we're in a war. Yep, we are. Now, and, and, and the, the, as Tim said earlier, when it comes to time to tread on you, it's going to be the guys in the uniform doing it. And so what that means that early, 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 we need to reach out to these people. We need to disciple these people, law enforcement, security guards, uh, deputy sheriffs. Amen. Obviously, federal agents are a different thing. We need to disciple them. We need to make sure whose side they're on. And if we determine that they're really just closet authoritarians, that they're tyrants in training, then you basically need to make a note of that. Yeah, you need and to, you that need to mark him out. one of the individuals, and that, that may be, and, and I would probably out him. Yes. Uh, that's a person who needs to be watched. 
And at some point, God forbid, maybe a person needs to be taken out. In once it hits the fan, and when I look at the news, Tim, I don't know about you, you look at a lot of news. When I look at the news, I scan the headlines. I'm always looking for the tripwire. I'm always looking for the straw that's going to break the camel's back. What's going to finally prompt, what's going to finally, uh, you know, move a state to say, you know what, enough of this madness. We're going to find a new sandbox to play in. You know, we're out of here. I yep. just saw that three counties, three, the Western counties in, uh, in Maryland went to secede and join West Virginia. Um, I think they had something like that going on in California too. I think there was a couple who wanted to Northern California. They want to form the state of Jefferson. Uh, There have actually been a number of, of secessionist movements, Texas nationalist movement. Vermont's had one for the longest time. Hawaii's had one. Alaska had a secessionist movement. Remember Sarah Palin's husband, Todd was part of that. Um, you got the American readout movement, and then you've got Eastern Oregon and Washington that want to secede from Oregon and, and Washington and join Idaho, call it the Greater Idaho Project. I believe that decentralization is in the future, in our future, because um, if you just look at the internet, look at people working from home, just the, the, the trend is, um, but, but, but. Again, I, I point people to the idea that remember what you need to be independent. You need food independence before you can be independent, because if they control the the means of you know production and they control your food supply, uh, you're at their beck and call. You're at the be, you're at their behest. So that's why I think this is a I think this is sort of a uh, a, a, a larger agenda. Now I don't know that that there's a, a, a wicked brain trust, a think tank in Europe and Belgium or somewhere where they actually think these things up way ahead of time or whether they're just being animated by spiritual impulses that emanate from the father of lies or it's just coming out of their nature or it's literally God sending them a deceiving spirit, you know, the way he did uh, when he just, when he wanted to kill Ahaz or Ahab rather. When God wanted to kill Ahab, God uses deception. Uh, he told Samuel to, when Samuel was going to anoint David king, he said, well, Saul, kill me. He said, well, take a bull and tell him you're going to sacrifice. So God uses deception. When he wanted to kill Ahab, who was going out into battle, he wanted to get Ahab to go to battle with Jehoshaphat and go out and fight the Syrians. He said, well, how are we going to convince him? He said, I'll. The, the, the angel came to the, to the Lord. He said, I'll be a lying spirit to him. And he said, okay, great. So he deceives the king. God uses deception, camouflages deception. He rewarded uh, a, Rahab, the harlot, or the Hebrew midwives who deceived the Pharaoh to save life. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, camouflages deception. So, uh, but... I don't know where I was going, but it's just the fact that God uses it. And when, like I said, when God drives these men mad and gives the, somebody asked me the other day, what are the, what are the four scariest words in the Bible? I said, God gave them over. Yeah. Romans one. Those are, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, Bill, that was the next thing I wanted to go to. And let's take about 15 minutes here and then I'm going to have to cut off. But 
This was something that uh, you and I have been talking about for, for some time now, too. And one of the things is is that uh, we're going to try to have the guy who wrote the uh, the, the book for the te- Texas Nationalist uh, deal uh, on secession. Daniel Miller. Yep, Daniel Miller. Yeah, I reached gonna, out to him. I haven't heard. I reached out to him and sent him some more information. Hopefully I'll hear back from his wife. Yeah, I'll, one of I'll the, try again one of, one of the things is is – I think some people have such have made such an idol out of out of even the Constitution and things and of the federal government that they they can't imagine living in a sovereign state, a real sovereign state where they are actually free. Now, I'm not saying Texas has it. You know, they have their they have their bits of corruption, too, down there. There's no question about that. And they've got their little, you know, Greg Abbott's and people like that in there who who are the establishment type. Um but the idea of secession, really, you know, you see this all through Scripture, and some people don't want to talk about that because they think, oh, we're going to lose everything, or we're going to be a third world country, or any of this kind of nonsense. And so they let their fears run over them rather than, uh, you know, appealing to what God has said in His Word, because He He calls for His people to come out from among them um, and yeah. touch not the unclean thing. And so if if all these unclean things are happening within your within your your state directed by the beast system at the federal government well what are the people to look to do and some people say oh well this was settled in the of course they call it the civil war the war of northern aggression this was settled because see they got their butts kicked well that doesn't settle whether it's morally right or wrong it just means somebody overpowered them or and even we, legal and if we yeah and if we go back to scripture we can say, okay, the people of God were overpowered by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, weren't they? And they were taken in there. Does that mean that the system of government they had was not one that God had set up? Well, he had set it up. They had corrupted it. And so he let their enemies take over them, which is what he said he would do in Deuteronomy 28, as a, as a form of chastisement against the people, as a judgment against them. But then once he once they had, had paid it off, if you will, the 70 years for leaving all the Sabbaths undone, then he brought them back into the land, didn't he? And he gave them the, the city again. They rebuilt the wall and the city and all these kinds of things. And so I think the next question comes, we're, we're seeing all this stuff targeting us. We're seeing those who are supposed to be you know, in the thing of protect and serve. We're supposed to see those who are, up, are supposed to uphold the law, violating the law. When is it that people get in their mind to say, we got to get out of this, we either... We're either going to have to fix it, which some people are doing at the county level. You know, we're trying to do that in the in the county, and I think if we if we got enough people who had the heart to do it, we could do it pretty quickly. But when when those kinds of things, when those efforts fail because you've got lawless men in places that they really shouldn't be, what is what what's the issue with secession? I know it's a biblical approach. You mentioned the um, the the war for independence. And I've made I've written a thing on it where I recognize Thomas Gage, uh, governor of Massachusetts, and he would the people were only supposed to meet once a year in the public square, and they decided they want to have two meetings, and he sent a bunch of his dragoons, I think about four hundred dragoons in there to disperse the people, and the Minutemen at the time who had trained to be on the ready within a minute uh, came out in full force. I don't remember how many people came out, and they were fully armed, and they ran the dragoons off. And so they were doing these kinds of things that we talk about, but but it ultimately um, came to a head with our forefathers saying, "You know what? We've had enough of Britain. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and play these games with you guys. Keep running you off and stuff. We've had enough of you, 
and we're declaring our own independence. They seceded, if you will, from Britain. You want to speak to that as far as what, what all is going on now well, and, uh, and what the Bible has secession, to say about that? Se- secession or peaceful separation is a biblical doctrine. Uh, it's taught in First Kings chapter 11 and 12, where Jeroboam uh, leaves the southern kingdom with ten tribes, and God says it's his it's his idea that's his plan to peacefully in judgment against Rehoboam who's Solomon's son and the apostate uh, southern kingdom the the southern kingdom is engaged in idolatry with the temple uh, and and their and their immorality and and whatnot. God it, it proposes it. God and in the in the chapter afterwards when Judah wants to raise an army to go and bring them back, much akin to what Lincoln did, God sent a prophet that said, No, go to your home. This is from me. Uh, so it's a biblical principle. And as you mentioned, Second Corinthians chapter six, it also it does say, Come out from among them and be separate. And, uh, you know, what, what light, what fellowship does light have with darkness? And certainly, you know, the war for independence was not the first instance or the first example of secession in world history. You know, dynasties and empires are always dividing and, and reconfiguring. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, we, it's why we have maps in the back of our Bibles. To show what it looked like then, then what it looked like then. Oh, we, you know, what, what, uh, Bill, we did that with the kids the other day. We were reading about Prussia. And so they're looking on the world yeah. map going, where's Prussia? And I said, well, you're not going to see it on there, but you can see the land masses that encompassed what Prussia was. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Of course, when, when the former Soviet Republic split up, we all hailed that as a good thing, right? Uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> when, Christian South Sudan seceded from Muslim Northern Sudan. Jimmy Carter, who was was quick to rush over there as an emissary for for uh, UNICEF and convinced the Southern Sudan that they needed to have birth control and sodomy and abortion for them to really be to really become of age and join the political system, modern political system. But the idea is, yeah, our founders who were much more biblically aware than we are as a rule. They were operating, even though they weren't all evangelical reformed Christians, they they were much more <clears throat> thoroughly inculcated in a biblical worldview. At least they knew the difference between a boy and a girl. And uh um, which bathroom do you use? Yeah, this was the this was the this was the example they left us. Uh you know, war was King George's and the Parliament's idea. They declared independence after a long train of abuses. And so uh, if I I always say that if you're not free to leave, you're not free. It's unquestioned that a person who is in an unhappy or unfruitful, destructive marriage has every right to sue for a lawful divorce for abuse or for, um, you know, sins against the, the covenant of the marriage. Uh, and if your if your family goes to a church and they bring in a you know a sodomite pastor or lesbian woman pastor begin to teach rank heresy, obviously you have a right to leave. 
uh, if you're in a business relationship with someone who's a scoundrel uh, or a, a fraud or a thief, you have a right to abolish your business relationship. Or if you go or going to a school, see, in all these other forms of different human relationships, it's undisputed that you have a right to move to another town, another state. But somehow, when it comes to the quote-unquote central government, the federal government, which is no longer federal but national, well, that's a suicide pact. You Now you've booked a one-way ticket that's on right. the Titanic and you can't get off. Well, if you're not free to leave, you're not free. So when people say, well, Texas is the one state in the union that can still secede, baloney. Every state can secede. That's right. Every county, every county can secede. You know, I meant, I once told a friend, I said, well, if you can't get your state to secede, maybe, you know, you've got a much smaller number of people and you, and you know a lot more people in your county, get your county to secede from your state. And by extension, haven't you seceded? And people said, well, you got to get permission. Since when? You know, that's this, that's the myth that people operate under. You have to get permission. It's just like the myth that, well, if you don't put your mask on, we will call the police. Well, I've had the police calling me three or four times. I've never been arrested because there is no law. And <clears throat> secession is a constitute. It's, it's, it's an, it's, it's not only an inalienable right. It's a self evident truth that you have the right to do these other things. It doesn't change when it comes to a civil government, a relationship with a, a central civil government. There's no difference. And if you're not free to leave, then you aren't free. Uh, that's right. And so that's, I, I think, and I think it's coming. I mean, I'm seeing a lot more discussions. I see a lot more threads where it's coming. People are not nearly as, as um, skittish or as hesitant to bring it up. It's been mentioned a few times in Texas by Rick Perry and Alan West. I think they were just throwing red meat to their crowds, but nevertheless, People are already doing it in their minds. They're doing everything they can to check out of the system. They're starting to become food independent. They're looking for other sorts of, of investments or other work opportunities uh, are, um, that, that will make them less dependent. And most important, I think, is being part of a community. Nobody Amen. can do this Amen. by themselves. That's right. You've got to be part of a community. You know, Bill, that's that's one of the things of why churches, you know, obviously they were to spread the gospel and things, but why they were central in the communities. Uh, but that that was the that was the um, stronghold, if you will, for the people in that community. And I think we've lost a lot of that in our modern day because, you know, a lot of moms and dads are just they're they're just trying to make ends meet. They've got taxes. They've got um things that they've got to keep up with all and then some things that they they don't even need that they put on themselves as as certain debts and things of that nature and they they lose a lot of the community and this was one of the things I talked about about militia I think that builds community because what what is it it's dads and sons and uncles and grandpas and whoever getting together and they're they're training together and they're talking about these kinds of things together and they're doing all of this stuff and I think it builds that community, which makes for a very strong community. And instead, what are we seeing today? We're seeing communities split over the color of somebody's skin, for goodness sake, or, you know, 
you know, they divide us over men and women or people who act like they're women, but they're men and all this other stuff where there's division, uh, whether somebody comes from Hispanic background or an Asian background or, you know, American background, European, whatever you want to say, they're trying to divide us rather than bring us together. And I'm not talking about getting together and singing Kumbaya. I'm talking about the people coming together and the core of that needs to be Christians. Christians do have the answers. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a term that used to be used quite frequently and it's very in today to use that term, you'd be perhaps labeled as a bigot. And the term was my people. Now, God uses that term. He said, my people who are called by my name, you know, but my people and your people referred to people that were like you. They shared your worldview. They shared your faith. They shared your commitment. They shared your goals. They shared your language. They shared your region. Uh, It was not necessarily that they looked like you. I don't think the ethnicity was an essential part of that. But certainly worldview, that means their faith, their moral, their value system had, you know, it was consistent. There's never been any sociological, scientific proof that diversity is our great strength, the way Barack Obama likes to uh, so famously say. Uh, Thomas Sowell said, I've never seen any proof of that. Uh, People who think alike work together well. And people who like each other. I mean, a shooter would rather be with a shooter than a golfer. Uh, a, a baseball player would rather hang out with baseball players than basketball players. Um, so there is a commonality and a background, and that is refers to and, – and, and so I think one of the things that we do need to rediscover is this idea of my people. Now, listen, I can meet a black man or a Hispanic man or an Asian man and after some discussion and commiseration and discovery that, hey, they're about the same thing I'm about. Yep. You know, I can say, you're my people. You're one of my people. You're a, you're my brother. And in Christian terms, that's how we do it. We say, we call somebody a brother. That tells them that they are a member of this, our family, our extended family of faith. And that, that's right. And that is why, the as you were saying, that is why Christianity is not just a a, a means of getting to heaven, but it is the framework for human society and life on planet Earth. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, I, that's, this is where we want to expand things is so uh, people can see Christianity is not just something. I apologize. My, my daughter's making something in the kitchen there. Uh, but it's not just this I thing. I thought that of, was your outro music. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is, it's not just about getting to heaven. It's not just about a get out of hell free card or uh, any of this other stuff, you know, that's that we tie into, quote unquote, religion. But it is about it is about being in a kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of Christ, and you know He's called us. It, it, he, I, I read this the other day. I think it was what Saturday when I had to cover uh, the issue. Are there two people of God? No, there aren't. And what I covered was Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, where He says, "All all authority in heaven and on earth have been has been given unto Me. Therefore, go and disciple the nations." And uh, you know, Bill, the, I think that the whole dispensationalism thing that, that I talked about on Saturday has has been an undermine for a lot of these things that we're talking about. Even today, it's undermined that. It's undermined the authority of Christ, and and, and therefore it's, it's, uh, it's weakened the church, 
And so she says, oh, well, I can tell you how, how Jesus can save you from your sin, but I can't tell you uh, what you should do about your government. I can't tell you it goes deep, about it goes, that. Uh, let, me say, let, yeah. me, let me suggest to you that it goes deeper than, than dispensationalism, though. It goes, it goes to your biblical hermeneutic in this, in this respect. Um, the way you read the Bible and interpret the Bible determines how you order your life or structure your life to some extent, or at least it should. And yes, there's this issue where dispensationalism has created a heavenly mindedness, but in their defense, a lot of the people that are at the tip of the spear today and the pushing back against government usurpation are not the, are not the post-millennialists and the amillennialists, just the people who believe in the rapture. And yet they're happily, they're they're happily inconsistent. And, because, and they're fighters. They're pushing back, and they have no philosophical foundation for what they're doing. But I'm glad they're doing it. You know, uh, people like Pastor Greg Locke in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and and others. You know, Charlie Ro- John uh, MacArthur. You know, uh, uh, Mark. You know, Kirk. John MacArthur. They're pushing back, and many of the people who believe in the quote unquote kingdom of God is here now, which dispensationalists don't technically hold to. They're they're sitting on their they're sitting on their hands now. There's another issue though about how you read the Bible, and it's not just about creating a heavenly mindedness because you've bought into this rapture uh, anticipation or the, the things are getting worse and worse and worse. And that is obey your leaders and all the verses and Paul and 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 render to Caesar and to Peter's where they talk about you know. Honor the king, you know, pray for those in a rule, rule over you. We have to understand that the Bible, the New Testament was written in a specific, not just a historical, but a political context. These people were living under the boot of imperial Rome. And when they said, hey, listen, if a centurion asks you to carry his, his junk, you carry his, his, uh, his, his gear a mile, Carry it two miles. That's good advice, because this guy's got the the he's got the authority to slit your throat and not answer for it. So yes, that's good advice. If the, it, it, you know, be it's, it's not bad advice to to say no no officer or yes officer, you know, because they can act with impunity. By the same token, they were living under a. <clears throat> A, an intermediate Jewish state under the Sanhedrin. You know, remember, it was the Sanhedrin that took Jesus to Pilate. And it was the Sanhedrin who, and the Pharisees who murdered Stephen and who murdered James, uh, the, uh, you know, the, bro- the brother of Jesus, or, or the apostle, I guess. Uh, so these early Christians had no political capital. They didn't have a constitution. They didn't have a Second Amendment. They didn't have a vote. They weren't living in ostensibly a republic. They were living under imperial rule. And so when the apostles tell these guys, hey, pray for the king so you can live peaceful lives, keep your head down, you know, you have no political capital. So it's like sitting at a poker table and you're not being dealt any cards. (laughs) You know, you sit there, don't say anything, be chill. See, that's not the that's not the historical context we're in. 
Yeah, the we've got we've got we a lot behind us. In fact, this is something I've I've told people before too, uh, Bill. And we're going to have to close out the show here, but this is this is something I've said before: is that when you go back in history and you start with, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes and you see that small group of people immediately blow up and they're preaching and there's thousands of people who are converted. And then you span that over time, you start to see the influence of the Christian faith in societies growing, especially in the West, but we're seeing it in the East too, um, especially in the churches in China. But but you start to see that, and then it starts getting into where the nations are being discipled. I mean, as time goes on, they're, they're learning those things, they're incorporating, I mean, our whole Western history and culture have its has its roots in scripture and and when we call common law and all these kinds of things are rooted back into scripture and the law of God and, and such and even the punishments that used to come now we don't really even have any punishments we have injustices of throwing men in cages uh, and then charging the victims to keep them up so we don't have any of that we we're losing that uh, even though that's how we were established and I'd love to continue on this road for a little bit, but I've got to get some stuff done. Uh, do you want to leave people with a final word, and then we'll close out the show? Well, just the idea that uh, Christ has Christ has freed us for freedom, and so we ought not to become the slaves of men because we're already the slaves of Christ. Um, and um, you can follow me on Gab or f- send me a friend request on Fascist Book. Uh, Bill Evans, um, truck driver, theologian, Ruger the Road Dog, and we we try to engage people. We travel all over the nation. We like to reach out and meet people in person and uh, respond to questions or inquiries. And you know we're on the phone a good bit and t- text messaging a lot of people. So we're trying to really have a lot of back and forth give and take. So reach out if you want to hear more or you have some questions or you want to challenge something that you heard today, reach out to me. Yeah. And Bill is one of those kind of guys that's just, you know, you can sit down and have a conversation with and throw out these ideas. And it's always going to be going back to, well, what the scriptures say about that and bringing that out. And I always find that so encouraging and I think it keeps us on the straight and narrow. And when we're going back to Scripture, we're not trying to twist the Scriptures, trying to stay in the context, like what Bill said, and who it's written to, um, and things of that nature, and then drawing out you know, from your hermeneutic of what you're, what you're getting there. So, uh, Bill, we appreciate you very much. I'm going to have the links up for his Facebook, for his Gab. And also, don't, don't forget, Bill is the one who set up the uh, Health for All of Life website. And he's got a book out called Health for All of Life. That's the one Jason Garwood wrote, but it's based off the website. And uh, so I'll have a couple of those things. By the way, I was looking up something, and I'm going to have this in for people as well. If you enjoyed the talk on secession especially, then guess what? I don't even know if Bill remembers this, but he and I did a show on this, a proper response to government to a government at war with the Creator and His law. And uh, and that's on secession. I'll have that link in the in the archive later this morning if you want to hear that too. That'll be the whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to bring Bill back. Uh, sadly, we were going to try to have Bill on like once a week and uh, or at least once every month or something like that. And so uh, we're going to try to have Bill on a little more because uh, he'll throw some stuff at you that probably you you've either thought of or maybe you haven't thought of. 
And it's always enlightening and encouraging. Guys, Bradley will be on at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And then we'll be back with you, Lord willing, in the morning at 6 a.m., bright and early. All right? See ya.